go talk to the geniuses that are online. It's February 11th, 2024, also known as Super Bowl Sunday 2024. I think it's Super Bowl 51. No, it's much higher than that. Somebody check me on that. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, and it is time to Belichick your premises. Welcome to what is possibly the last edition of this show ever. What do I mean by that? Well, we'll get into that in a second. But first, let me bring in some other premise checkers. First, as always, my co-host, William Green. Hello, hello. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. There's been a lot of sports going on, and this uh, could very well be our last Belichick Your Premises, but we've got, we've got some Michigan to talk about, too. And, and not enough Michigan, because, man, I wanted those Lions in the Super Bowl, William. Oh, me too. God damn. What a what a way to start the game and what a way to end the game. But we've we'll get into that in a second. We've got we've got someone else, don't we? We Justin? do. We have the original co-host of the Welcome to the Midside Show, the original co-host of Belichick Your Premises, co-host Emeritus. Wink Daniel Martindale. T. Richards. What oh. Wink Martindale? <laughs> oh, it's not Wink Martindale? Dude, what are you like eighty years old? Who even knows who Wink Martindale is anymore? Google it. Like I did the Super Bowl number, which is 53. 53. 53. Well, other things that I don't remember, like Wink Martindale and Super Bowl 53. Daniel, before mm. the pre-show. Isn't it 56? 56? 57. Is what? <laughs> 58. Who knows? I learned is. this oh. week that if you start saying random numbers, I don't remember anything. So stop it. Oh. But, let's see. V no, I you, you I know what I. happened is the stupid screen that I'm it's on 58. cut off the five. 30 and i just read the <laughs> super bowl 53 instead of super bowl at 5 30 i was gonna say didn't the patriots ah. win 53 <laughs> that's why you got that one stuck in your head I, 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 I. so it's 58 right 58 yeah 58 that's well hilarious. besides roman numerals this is what we get for roman numerals <laughs> let me ask my question start time okay what's your question did you remember before the pre-show that we even had intro music and outro music for Belichick Your Premises. No, I didn't think we were that sophisticated, honestly. I mean, <laughs> the last time I remember recording this, there was a cup and a string. And the string was really long, and it went to your cup. And uh, that's how we did the show. Yeah, I mean, even hearing the music, William, it sounded like super retro. Even the Belichick it quotes. Did, it does. I, that is the highest quality version of that, that <laughs> intro I have, too. I mean, it sounds pretty good, but you can, tell, you, you can tell I didn't make it. I'll just put it that way. I have a particular way that I make the drops, and that one's not hey, gone through you know the, what? the William quality control. <laughs> you know what? I did that on my own. But I didn't even mean that. I just meant the music and and the, the the sound bites. Like how young and not tired and not angry does Belichick sound? <laughs> <laughs> Belichick oh, is a young virile is Belichick. 
<sighs> we'll get into all of that in a second, though, because as William noted, the first thing we're going to talk about here is a storyline we were tracking at the end of the last Welcome to the Midside season, which was all the controversy around the University of Michigan. And Daniel, I'm going to go to you first because you weren't on the, the show, right? Mm. Because you, you, you left us to have children, which what the hell. Um, <laughs> what did you think of all of the controversy around John Harbaugh and the supposed cheating by the University of Michigan? And then the fact that they were able to, despite him. Jim, Jim. What? Jim Harbaugh. Jim, oh, so, I, you know what? Jim. I, Pre-show, I was <laughs> thinking about it, and I was like, which goddamn Harbaugh brother is this? This is worse than the Kelsey's. I thought about that. Um, yeah, so Jim Harbaugh, the supposed cheating, and then the fact that they were able to go to the national championship and win it, even with him being suspended for a couple games. Yeah, I basically think that this is a cheat code that we've unlocked, which is basically preseason. We pick a team who we want to win at the end of the season and put an enormous bet on them and then just start a fake cheating scandal, which seems to motivate the team to want to show people that they did not, in fact, cheat and then make a gazillion dollars. Foolproof. That's what happened with the that's, Patriots. And well, that's only going to work, I was going to say, with a major powerhouse. Like, you can't do that with Tulane. Nobody, the, Tulane doesn't have enough players. What do you mean you can't do it with Tulane? Yeah, I know. Yes, Justin, I know that. But, let, like... Let's direct the, the outcome here a little bit. So what did I think of all this? Um, so here's the thing. I've tried to piece this together from an outsider who doesn't really care. And the thing <laughs> is, I can't figure out... It's sort of like the, um, the, uh, the Spygate thing when you first told me about it, and I had to go look it up. And even after reading a bunch about it, I couldn't actually figure out what they did wrong. That's sort of how I feel about this Michigan scandal. I've looked it up. I've read the rules. I still can't figure out exactly what they did wrong. So if someone could give me a summary of that, because other, because otherwise here's my... Well, I can try because the other thing is we don't know, we don't know exactly what, uh, we don't know all the things that this private investigator right. supposedly gave to the NCAA. So we don't, we don't know all the things exactly, but from what I've gathered, because much like you, I've tried to figure out, well, what's the ground truth? What's the actual things going on? There was some sort of minor. This all started like there was some sort of minor, minor recruiting thing that happened in the summer. So right? is that and is then that there a, was, it was a a small penalty, or they were trying to recruit a minor? <laughs> I think it was a small penalty. Uh, and and again, I don't I haven't dug they into that one because that was sort they of like trying to recruit one a guy thing. With a pickaxe. <laughs> I almost went there <laughs> no. too. South Park. Uh, and then and then there was a contractor who on the coaching staff who was paying, they were paying to have students and others go to other games and record the signals at other games from for other teams that they were playing. That was the violation that, that has been publicized the most. Okay. Um, now, this is, this is against the rules because you can only copy or look at their signals in the game that you're playing. You're not supposed. You're supposed to shut your eyes and not look at the TV and not record them when they're playing other teams. This is what is in the rules, at least in the NCAA. Even if it's on so a national broadcast. Yes. Yeah. See, that's part of the thing where it's like I don't get what the wrongdoing was. Part. Anyway. Okay. Thank you, William. That, yeah. That and now helps. what? And again, this is not a whataboutism. Just just context. This is something that happens, and it is against the rules. It's also quite well known that there are 
cabals of teams that swap these signals specifically against teams like Ohio State and Michigan. But see, this is this is the part that gets weird, right? So, like, I actually looked up the rules, okay? And as far as I can tell, sign stealing, quote-unquote, is not banned. No, it's the recording. It's that using was electronic equipment to record it. That's what's banned. So you could have, like, a courtroom sketch artist uh, yeah. <laughs> watching the signs and drawing them out on a piece of paper. Or you could get, uh, like, a, daguerre- a daguerreotype and set it up and go under that hood in the back and hold up the flash thing, right? Because there's no real electronics and, going on there. Yeah. And this is, this is it, it, based on that exactly, from my research... What I kind of concluded, the the thing that fits the facts, I'm not saying that this is actually true, but the thing that most likely fits the facts is whoever this contractor was, was paid to go be that court sketch artist, right? And to go to certain games and and write down what signs they were using for what plays, mm-hmm. right? But to scale, to make himself more valuable, he paid other people to go record it. That way he could watch it later and create the signs and maybe even share the videos with some of the other assistants. Right? I think they should all get penalized um, because this is a waste of money. You have an army of fans across the country who would do it for free for you. Just put up an email address and say, email us your clips. There are tons of of autistic football fans out there. That is very true. The other part about this that annoys me is creating rules because the NCAA is, I don't know, dumb, lazy, cheap something, right? Anti-technology. Anti-Luddite. Right? Yeah. Visible signals are necessary because the NCAA currently prohibits the use of coach-to-player audio technology, except in bowl games. Why? What? What? Why? Why? What? What's going on there? Anyone have any insight? In I that? don't know. Well, you know, these, these systems can get expensive. Maybe back in the day this made sense so that you wouldn't have smaller schools putting out the expense yeah that was my thought as well is the more technology is embraced the higher end programs can raise more money and thus have a competitive advantage based upon technology i think that's probably the rationale behind it okay but not saying it's right i'm just hundreds of dollars here versus the millions of dollars people can spend on training facilities and all sorts of things that give them a way bigger advantage like, it's not that expensive now to do coach-to-player audio tech. Would it be against the rules if I bought a jammer and brought it there? <laughs> that way they couldn't talk to the... Uh, like so, a Kool-Aid jammer? Yes, yeah. a Kool-Aid jammer, Justin, because it's 1993. <laughs> that also blocks radio waves. <laughs> the, the ectoplasm flavor? Do you remember when they did the jammers that were like <laughs> jelly? They weren't even liquid? <laughs> it's funny that you bring up ectoplasm. My brother is in town for the store opening, and my friend Alex is here too. Uh, shout out to Midsetter Alex. Um, and uh, he keeps buying this green, like high C, like in a gallon. That's like what he likes to drink. And it's sitting in my fridge. And every time I open the fridge, I look at it. I was like, "That's the biggest bottle of ecto cooler I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks just like it." <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so I have a question for you. Did Michigan? get a competitive competitive advantage from what they did that was unavailable to other people. Define unavailable. Meaning yeah. like if Michigan went and put a bug in a locker room and 
you know, or in a coach's office, right? That is a competitive advantage that is unavailable to others because they're not also going and putting bugs in coaches. Well, yeah, that's just signs we're in public. Yeah. So that, that the competitive advantage argument is tough, I think, because I, I, I think that you could say, on the one hand, someone would argue, well, of course, they were, you know, they learned what the signs were and they used a, a method that other people didn't use, presumably, because they're not breaking the rules. Yeah. However, I, the, the signs are out in public. So all they did was accelerate the means of doing it, not not doing like again it, it the the it's being called sign stealing, but like you said, it's using electronic devices to record games. Yeah. That was the rule they broke. Okay, so to me, there are levels of I don't, I don't even call it cheating because cheating is one thing. There are sort of like levels of gaining an advantage, and like there's a level that crosses a line and is forbidden, illegal. Um, this even happens in-game, right? Like you commit a penalty, you are technically getting an advantage that isn't allowed. Whether that's called cheating or not is... It's called flopping. Right? And then flopping. There's... <laughs> I scream cheating every time the the uh, uh, opposing team gets a flag thrown. I do. That's <laughs> it's right. like cheating. Well, you know who does? The other Harbaugh. The other you should Harbaugh, know this. Yes. The, yeah. the, the Lions got harbaugh this year on that whole uh, reporting lineman thing. Yes, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that level. And then there's another level of gaining an advantage, which really isn't even crossing a line. It's just the sort of not in the spirit of what we should be doing sort of thing. We'll just call it moralistic gaining an advantage. And This isn't me, even that, though. If I'm looking at it, it's that. Because, I don't even think it's like, that. Don't even concern yourselves with the signs. Just go out and play football, right? But I wouldn't even punish them. I'd give them a stern look. I'd give them a disappointed fatherly scowl, is what I would give them, and say, you're better than this, Michigan. And then they would all feel bad, and they would go out and perform really well. I don't know. That, I, I, that I is don't what think... Commissioner Richards has handed down as punishment. I, I, I think maybe I'm more lenient than it's Commissioner long. Richards, because mm-hmm. I do think focusing on the sign stealings is a materialistic way of looking at tactics and strategy. And I mean materialism in the philosophical sense, not in the let's go buy signs and buy tape. What I mean by that is what you're trying to learn is the tendency of the other players. And you should be able to look at another player and look at a lineup and look at the down and look at the context of the game and figure out what they're going to do based on that. I mean, that's essentially stealing plays. Right, because you're sure. anticipating based on their tendencies in the in the scouting you've done. Yeah, you can't play football like veil of ignorance. Right. right, like it's not like as the play as the opposing team yells hike, like suddenly your eyes are open and you're allowed to see what's going on. You take in everything before that. I get that, and there will be incidental sign quote stealing just because players in the game will notice tendencies based on right. what they see uh, happening on the sidelines. Right, and where's that? Then brings me Daniel to where's the line. Where is the line of sign stealing and sign stealing? And what I mean by that is, well, the rules the rules doesn't have don't have sign stealing as something that is right, because you right. can't right because of what we're talking about. You, yeah, you can't. Yeah, right. And that's the thing. Like, think about Brady, Edelman, and Gronk. The way the the old Patriots play calling was Earnhardt Perkins was they would step up to the line and see something and nod to each other, and then they would run a play just right. based on the shared understanding. Well, if you see Brady and Gronk nod to each other and you have that shared same understanding because you've studied their offense and the way the two players think, aren't you then signing this, uh, stealing the sign when they nod? 
So right. that's what I'm saying is where is the line? I, I think it's, again, far too materialistic to be like, oh, if we just uh, decode their sign signals, then we can decode their entire offense or defense. No, it doesn't work that way because there's so much context. But again, to me, it's not even this is moral. This isn't even moralistic. This is just a waste of time to even worry about things like this. I mean, let me put it to you this way. You think in wrestling that there aren't matches between other opponents that my girls aren't involved in, that my girl will then face one of them, and there's video available online? You think I don't watch that video? You think I don't go, oh, you're going to wrestle that girl at States, and I find her YouTube account where she posted all her videos of her matches and watch them to figure out her tendencies? Would that not be illegal under this college football rules? Well, to make it analogous, it would be if the coach had developed some sort of hand signals that was sort of telling her what to do. That hey, guess what? They do. Dun-dun-dun. Do we have dramatic they do. music trap? You, you think I don't, the girls don't look at me and I like make a motion in a direction to tell them what to do? Because I can right. yell like, run the half! But then the other girl goes, oh, she's going to run the half. I better defend that. You get what I'm so saying? Instead, you put your palm flat and you take two fingers and you make a little running motion Across your hand, <laughs> but you'll go halfway across your head. That's right. Like, well, you come up with stuff though. Quarters. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I get that. I get that. My point is like whether this guy did it on his own because, or he was told by someone. Apparently, there has been no evidence to suggest that he had any connection with yeah. Jim Harbaugh. Which is, it's like, None. why would you then suspend Jim Harbaugh? But whatever. Like whether this guy did it because someone told him to, or on his own. He, he shouldn't worry about it, right? That's that's the more yeah. moralistic. Yeah. The other part of the story, which which we talked about in the show, Daniel, was the whole at the eleventh hour, right before the last couple games of the season, them applying the punishment, like right. five p.m. on a Friday when no one could do anything about it, respond to it at all. Here's, here's um, after they had already maybe punished a themselves. slightly bigger question yeah. that can transition us into NFL talk too, which is like, why do groups like the NCAA or the commissioner of the NFL like why do they get it wrong? so badly so often like what what is really in it for them i i i think i i think the answer to that is fairly easy um uh i get this from the rules for rulers book uh their key stakeholders are not the coaches or the fans right there's other people that they're answering to that they that they drive their power to to remain commissioner and it's it's those those politics that they're appeasing not what is fair or what is right for the league, right? I'm sure that takes into account some of it, but this was to appease. Uh, Michigan is not well-liked in the NCAA. They're constantly arguing and fighting about rules, about uh, schedule, about all sorts of things, not only in the NCAA, but in the Big Ten itself, right? Um, Michigan throws their weight around on a lot of things, like not even related to football, just outside of football, just in other sports. And um, and so there's uh, any time they could sort of take Michigan down a peg they're going to. Um, and we've seen this in other sports as well. Mm-hmm. But before we before we dive on into the NF, uh, NFL, I guess uh, also in the sense of transition, with him leaving, you know, we've got, it just came out today, a bunch, or yesterday maybe, a bunch of uh, the defensive coordinator and a bunch of other um, uh, key staff are leaving, um, some going with... Uh, with Harbor, others like Jay, uh, his son is going to Seattle, I guess. Um, and then we've got uh, Sharon Moore, 
um, the uh, the coach who uh, took over when when those suspensions happened going to be the new head coach. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's going to be interesting, right? Like we're uh, he, he seemed to do a pretty good job uh, uh, running a Harborough team, but um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does now because uh, this whole cycle is going to start again, right? Um, and what I mean by that is Michigan tends to have coaches for long periods of time, you know, historically. Yeah. Um, but if you don't win against Ohio State, uh, you don't stay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so with the changing championship la- landscape at NCAA and the uh, shifting and ever-growing Big Ten, it's going to be interesting to see what the program does next to stay in the in the relevance, um, which helps with recruiting, but more importantly, to keep the uh, money flowing, the alumni happy. Yeah. Uh, can they keep beating Ohio State? There's going to be a lot of changes. There's going to be a lot of changes. The Michigan one is going to be huge. Uh, the Alabama change is probably going to be huge. Yeah. Um, who Who's the new coach there? What is his name? And where did he come from? Does anyone remember? I'll look it up. Cotton Eye Joe. Uh, it was yeah, from a team that had a significant amount of talent. And they all left and followed him. It was like a crazy thing. Alabama new coach. Yeah, next year is going to look weird. Kalen DeBeer? DeBoer? DeBoer. And he was formerly at... Let's see. It's going to be crazy so, next year. So what can Harbor do with the Chargers, I guess? Well, hold on, hold right, on, hold on. Going, Before right, we say that, I just want to point out that all of this cheating talk is academic. It reminds me of uh, Deflategate where the Patriots destroyed oh, yeah. Yeah. Indianapolis because Michigan got to the national championship game and then appropriately in the final season of the Pac-12 exposed the Pac-12 for the frauds they were. I mean, they completely, literally yeah. ran over Michi- uh, ran over Washington. I wanted yeah. to point that out. I think that needs to be noted if oh, we're going to talk about cheating. It was Washington. He was just the coach of Washington. <laughs> and, um... <laughs> You're better. And, like, they had some epic, historic number of players leave after he left. So that program is going to be decimated. Um, But, yeah. By the way, I I had the opportunity. I was just in Canada, our friendly neighbor to the north. And I had the opportunity to blow someone's mind. Did you recover our one listener? (laughs) I didn't. But um, I was at dinner and we were talking about football. And I said I was a Patriots fan. And they're like, oh, how about uh, those uh, deflated balls there, eh? Uh-huh. I, you know, they did it in a nice Canadian way, as as they do. They and said sorry them, after they said it. And I asked them, well, how many of the Colts balls were deflated when they were tested at halftime? They're like, I didn't know there were any, eh? It's like, yeah, three of the four that they tested were deflated at halftime. So were they also cheating? Was Tom Brady also cheating with their balls, too? Blew their mind, Justin. Blew did you mind. also ask them if their tires are ever deflated when they wake up in the morning? <laughs> It's always cold there, so maybe they don't understand the yeah, ideal gas. I, I think <laughs> you'd have to ask the opposite. You'd have to say, "Hey, in the summer, did you notice your tires are bulging a bit?" <laughs> That's right. So it even happens like, here in Florida. I wake I up like and my tires are lower. People's mind with that particular fact, which no one reported ever. So good times. The NFL this year was also weird, and next year is going to be weirder. So. Well, let's 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 turn to William's question now. John Harbaugh in San Diego. Jim, Jim sorry. Jim. Ah, 
Ah, too many. Why do you name your kids John and Jim? Stop For it. For this reason? To annoy Justin? <laughs> to annoy me, yes. So and you make one of them coaches. Sometime in the future. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am not a genius. That's accurate. That's accurate. I'm also terrible with names. Some girl came up to me the other day and was like, I want to join your wrestling team next year. And I was like, what's your name? And then she walked away and I was immediately, I forgot her name. So, okay. Terrible with names. No, with Jim Harbaugh in the, in the Chargers, I look, to me, it's all how much do you guys buy into the Justin Herbert hype? He's supposed to be this great quarterback, but I've never seen him do anything of note. Uh, I won't go that far. I would say that he's someone I watch and think there's talent here, but no one is teaching him anything. Um, cause he, he has an arm and he has incredible accuracy for having such a big arm, but there's a lot of bad decision-making and I think that's coachable for the most part. So I don't know. You get a good coach in there. I think it's, it's bad decision-making and the, not the strongest line and receiver court well, either yes. in, in of San course. Diego. They need talent around him. But. So some of those de- some of those decisions are a lot less risky when you a have more time and b have receivers running the right route. Mac Jones. That's a good point. Ah, the name that can't be said. <laughs> he who shall not be named. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think if there is someone who has uh, the talent to turn around a team like that, it's maybe J- Jim Harbaugh. So you faked me out. We will see. Oh man, when when will we see a John versus Jim Super oh, Bowl? Good God. That's the next again. Question. Didn't we already see that? Yeah, we had one. Yeah, yeah. and the lights went out. Will we see Remember that? That was yeah. fun. Yeah, it's because that's how we all felt. We just wanted it to end. <laughs> lights out. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel about this Super Bowl already. So, well, and that's what I was going to say about that. Right. So there's a lot of sort of discussion about like who should you support in this super bowl and so on and so forth so do we want to there's a lot of pressure out here for me to pick a team i'll tell you that here in northern california (laughs) so let's do we want to start there with picking who we want to win or do we want to start with uh who we think is going to win well let's i i think i think i think that i have to comment on this you know being in the area here uh you know the north i drive down to the north bay area a little bit this weekend i was in napa yesterday it was uh, in Novato. Uh, there are a bunch of tents everywhere and parking lots selling 49ers Super Bowl. Oh, I thought you were going to say with people living in them permanently. But uh, Well, no, no, no. That's in San Francisco proper. Those are probably the people um, selling the knockoff gear. Yeah, it might be. I didn't I didn't go and inspect to see if they had the uh, uh, NFL seal. seal. But uh, I, there are a lot of uh, a lot of people. A lot of people are fans around here. Um, but, you know, this is my first year in this area for this team, and, uh, it's more than L.A., uh, the fandom is definitely stronger than L.A., uh, not as many Fairweather fans, I would say, either. Mm -hmm. However, it's not, uh, it's not as intense as some other areas that I Mm -hmm. live. So, just with that comment, uh... Who I guess I would want us to talk about who do we who do we who do we think should win first, and then who do we want to win? I think second. Look, okay, go ahead. Well, okay, I, I might be stealing one of Justin's points, so apologies if I do there, Justin. But there's a ma- the major difference in this game to me is Brock Purdy. 
if Brock Purdy is going to be a good quarterback in this league, he has to step up in this moment and not just totally shit the bed, right? So you're just taking my entire point. History (laughs) would tell us that a young quarterback with no playoff experience is just going to shrink and crumble in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the pressure. The pressure, right? So in that sense, Mahomes has an enormous advantage right now. So um, if I... Don't forget Taylor Swift. I mean, that's a huge, a huge on the field You know, field for a advantage. moment, William, I did forget Taylor Swift and my life was better. So why did you do that to me? I thought for sure they would just have her do the Super Bowl. I mean, she's already there. She might make an appearance. So look, I would like the 49ers to win. I will be rooting for the 49ers today. But man, uh, statistics, odds, history says that the Chiefs are going to eke one out. And yeah, that's my Justin, that's my think? thing, Daniel. Is exactly what you just said. Is first of all, I don't know if you heard me say you just stole my entire point, right? Because <laughs> the Forty ers are a tremendously talented team, right? McCaffrey yes. and Debo Samuel and their defense. And the question is, how is Brock Purdy going to play? But you know, you say historically, young starting quarterback. I mean, that's how Tom Brady started, right, in his first game. Sure. So there's 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 echoes here of. The first Patriots Rams Super Bowl, although but, I would say no. the offense for the 49ers is more respected than the offense for the Patriots was. I mean, nobody cared about Antoine Smith and David Patton and Troy Brown. People still don't know who those people are. Now I'm so old. I'm so old. I'm talking about these people that nobody <laughs> knows about, right? Like David Patton even is dead. Worse than, worse than Daniel. Yeah. Uh, so rest in peace, David Patton. And it's just, I don't know how you pick against the Chiefs in this game. I really don't know how you pick against them. Now, who do I want to win? I'm going to be honest. I really don't care. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. They're already talking about Patrick Mahomes being better than Brady and being and being the GOAT. And now if he wins the third Super Bowl, they're going to talk about how he's on track to win more Super, Bowl than, Super Bowls than Brady <laughs> and the Patriots. They're going to talk about all of that. And that's annoying. First of all, though, I'm disconnected from all of that stuff nowadays. I don't really listen to the media and all this conversation as much. But regardless of all of that, maybe I'm so old now that I don't know. I don't care. Like, I just if you're good, you're good. And if Mahomes is good, he's good. Like, maybe I just hate the Ravens so much, but I found myself cheering for the Chiefs in the AFC championship game, especially watching Lamar Jackson's epic meltdown on the sideline. That was very satisfying. Uh, so I don't He's know. The almost unanimous MVP, Justin. How dare you slander his name? Well, I mean, I had to pick between a black quarterback and a half black quarterback, so of course I, oh, I picked the half black quarterback. That's right, you're just so unbelievably racist. Yeah, that that, that woke. That's points, really yeah. that's really what it is. So that's yeah, I, I just I William, how do you pick against the Chiefs and how do you cheer for someone here? Because both teams are talented and they both play enjoyable football to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, you know, it's really hard. I mean, obviously I'm very disappointed about the, the lions loss. So I knew the lions were going to lose when that catch was made. 
where it like ricocheted yes, off and the guy yes. caught it. I was like, well, that's yeah. the most lion yep. thing. I was like, yeah, the, 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 the luck is not on our side. That was exactly my thought too. I was like, oh, here we go. But that's, but that's part of the PTSD of being a Lions fan. I right? don't have like PTSD. I'm not even a Lions fan. And I said that. I uh, know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I know that's why that's why uh, when you said that I was like yeah yeah I have felt that too but I felt that no matter what um, it, that being said you know I think that for me you know I don't follow the NFL as closely as you guys do I do watch games but you know I'm, I'm mostly focused on Michigan uh, college football during the year uh, but as I started paying attention to the playoffs it the we certainly got. There was no wrong answers when we got to the uh, to the AFC and NFC finals. All those teams were so good. They were performing so well. It just came down to who made the least amount of mistakes, which is always a good sign, right? Um, I don't think, uh, it, as far as picking who to cheer for, you know, I, I think the, uh, what, what I'd like to see, I think that the Kansas City is going to win again. What I'd like to see, though, is the 49ers eke something out. And not because I'm a Fairweather fan or anything or that I'm biased by the area I live in, but as far as uh, a storyline and putting putting a little bit – stopping some of this, you know, all this other stuff going on, like you brought up the uh, – the uh, uh, you're going to be better than Tom Brady. You're on track to be Tom Brady. The, the uh, Taylor Swift storyline, like all this stuff that is being outside of – talking about football if we if if the 49ers win it will be because they do something incredible on the field that they do something interesting and entertaining on the field and so if only for that reason that would be why i would uh cheer for the 49ers so that's a really good argument william and daniel i don't know if he swayed you at all but the idea that a 49ers win would make the conversation be more football focused is a really compelling argument to me yeah, well, I, yeah. I'm. Already, I mean, the, I, there might be a ton of like, there might be a ton of the Swifties crying, but I don't know. I'm already yeah. rooting for the 49ers, so he didn't have to persuade me in that regard. Here, here's my reasoning. I would like the 49ers to win because watching this season and last season, the state of quarterback play in the NFL is atrocious. That's true. It's yes. just atrocious. Yes. And I want there to be some hope that there's more quarterback talent coming. And if I think if the 49ers eat this out, it will be because Brock Purdy stepped up and showed us something really special and interesting in this game. I'm not saying he's going to throw for five touchdowns and 500 yards or anything like that, but he'll have a sort of, you know, young Brady-esque performance where he's just unshaken. When when Brady did that in the Super Bowl, they lost to the Eagles. (laughs) Right. When when Brady threw 500-some yards, they lost. That's right. Um, Oh, that's still heartbreaking. But... Wouldn't it wouldn't it be interesting? I, I mean, not I'm not drawing exact parallel, but something like uh, you know, it, you know, when Michael Vick made his in, initial splash, right? Just this electric uh, uh, quarterback. It would be that's that would like be a way of torturing dogs, in, right? water, and electricity. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> I, knew, I knew we would we would end up going there, but you understand what I'm saying, right? Yes. Like we, this could be a start of an interesting era well, where we get back focused on having good quarterbacks. I want someone again. to notice who's listening, how we're talking about this. None of us is saying, I hope Patrick Mahomes has a crap day and throws six interceptions and Kelsey falls over and sprains his ankle, right? That's not what any of us want. I would love a game where Patrick Mahomes throws four touchdowns and Brock Purdy throws five. And it's oh, like, yeah. 
the greatest yeah. shootout ever. Like, that would be just tremendous. I want to see both teams do really well, and I want to see the 49ers eke one out. Um, but this is sort of contra to a lot of sports talk that I hear, especially from the average quote-unquote fan or the average quote-unquote wa- yeah. watcher yeah. of football. Where it's like, oh, I hate Pat Mahomes, so I hope he falls over and breaks... It's the equivalent of NASCAR fans hoping for a car crash. Breaks his hair. Right? I hope my guy wins through a car yeah. crash. It's like, no. I want them both to have tremendous games. I want it to be wildly entertaining, and I want the 49ers to eke one out. That's what I mean. Do I think it'll happen? No. <laughs> I think the Chiefs are going to win. Not in a blowout, but I think they're going to win by more than a touchdown, if I had to guess. All right, you guys have convinced me. It's tough for me, though, because... My parents have compared Brock Purdy to Tom Brady, and I just I, I don't want people to start saying that on the other side as well. People, mainly my parents. Oh, man. So. Did just switch the – you're like, Justin, I have bad news for you. Every quarterback for the next probably 50 years will be compared it's to Tom I know. Brady. It's like Michael so Jordan, you're right? You're going to have to endure Although this. Although if your parents, yeah, you're gonna have to if your parents suddenly pick up season tickets at the 50-yard line for the 49ers, I might have to buy a jersey. That's all I'm saying. I would disown all of you. Damn. <laughs> can, can we talk about the lack of your reaction? <laughs> can, can we talk about the lack of good quarterback play? And what I mean oh. by that is, Daniel, this is something I've brought up to you in our personal conversations that I don't understand why teams don't do this. And we're seeing this now with the Patriots having the number three pick in the draft for the first time in what twenty five years or something like that. Yeah, I think Bledsoe was the highest pick before. It wasn't Mayo a top 10 pick, too? So besides Mayo and Bledsoe, they haven't really had a lot of top 10 picks. And Jones. Um, wasn't Jones number 10? Can you fact check that, William? I Can will. You look I'll, that I'll, I'll look it up. Or, or Daniel will. My, my point being, though, all the conversation is like, should they take a quarterback? Should they take a quarterback? And then what else do they take in the rest of the draft? What I don't understand is why are these NFL teams not taking multiple quarterbacks a year until they develop one into a starting caliber quarterback. Everybody just seems to put all their eggs in one basket for five years, four years, and hope that works. The Patriots just spent four years on Mac Jones hoping that would work. Now, they fortunately also have Bailey Zappi, so they kind of did this by accident, or maybe Belichick did it on purpose. I don't know, but I don't understand why, with how important the quarterback position is in the NFL why multiple quarterbacks aren't being drafted a year and more aren't being signed as undrafted free agents just to try and develop them and see what happens yeah it's that important and it's it's just crazy that you're just sort of banking on your one one pick and that's it uh 15th he was drafted 15th Thought it was first, something like that. First quarterback drafted in the first round by the Patriots since Drew Bledsoe in ninety. Right, and what was Bledsoe picked? Seventh or eighth or something? <sighs> now you're gonna make me look that up. Okay. Well, I thought you were looking all of it up. And when when Gerard Mayo was picked too? Oh, good God! What am I? Your little research? Never mind. <laughs> I thought William might look it up, but nah, I'm too lazy. <laughs> William, what do you think about the what do you think about the quarterback strategy I'm talking about? So. I wonder I wonder if there's some data they have about how long it takes to prove out a new quarterback. Maybe and, and then the other side is maybe it's just a sunk cost fallacy, right? Um you a program obviously pays so much to coach a quarterback 
And Justin, it's got to burn when you send a, you know, when you finally like release a quarterback and they go to another team and then they have a blowout season, right? And you think, man, we just didn't crack the code here. So I think some of it's got to be the sunk cost fallacy and that fear of, you know, of letting a quarterback, releasing a quarterback, they go to another team and then they end up beating you. Um, so I think part of it's got to be that. I, at the same time, uh, it's I I look at the college. You know, we're, we're, this is obviously being fed through college. You look at the college scene, and you know, with so many teams and so many quarterbacks, um, I don't know that we're filtering well in the college side either for quarterbacks. Um, sure. So it's interesting to. To think like yeah. how that is affecting the the draft. Yeah, I think there's another element to that, which is obvious, but I'll say it out loud, which is the college system is not a true uh, junior league. It's not a true minor league for the NFL. It is different rules. It's a slightly different game. So you optimize for different things, especially with quarterback. And so, so many of these quarterbacks who are really good in college, it doesn't translate that well. Yeah, I think I think we teach well, a different game. I think we teach school. a different game in college. I mean, look at how Michigan won. Totally. I mean, Michigan won the national championship playing Michigan football, which is not exactly how you would win an, an NFL game at all. Yeah. But as I, as I was just saying, William and Daniel, that goes all the way back to high school, and. I mean, I don't know about you guys, maybe William, but I didn't grow up with the experience of high school football. I went to a a small private school that didn't have a football team, and I didn't go to any of the local football teams. But being around a big program in Florida now, I mean, this team has competed for national titles. They had three Under Armour All-Americans last year at the school I teach at. Even in high school, the focus is on athleticism. It's not on strategy and tactics and reading the game. So these quarterbacks that get from high school to college, it's pure athleticism. And then look even now, that's what Lamar Jackson is. That's why he falls apart when it gets tough. Because he, he hasn't well, been and trained that, mentally to be able that's to what understand. Made Brady an anomaly in in college as well, right? Yes. Um so I yeah. I wonder if there aren't coaches who are going to start to take advantage of this at the college level. Because I think that's that's gonna be the transition. Um, or even at the high school level, if you have a high school coach that starts with this strategy based approach, this tactic and strategy, uh, based approach, and that could be where your next head coach comes from for a college, for a college program, right? As someone who's going to start doing this and dominating on the high school side, but I don't know if you can't, I would argue, I would argue, hold on before you continue that they do it on the defensive side in college. And what I mean by that is the the day I knew for sure Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to be amazing in the pros was when Gene Chizik and his LSU defense completely confused him in the national championship game. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. Interesting. Gerard Mayo was picked number 10 overall, and Drew Bledsoe picked number one overall. So I was right. You were right. All right. You have the memory, sir. I don't know. I remember draft picks. I remember useless crap. It's the worst. Can't remember a girl who wants to work. uh, Be coached by you, but can remember (laughs) which draft pick. Yeah, got it. Correct. I can remember who were all the Patriots' top ten draft picks in the past twenty-five years. But you walk away, and thirty seconds later, I can't remember your name. So, 
Now, the biggest difference, at least for Justin and I, for next season. I already know Brady, sad, and now no Belichick. Anywhere. Not just on the Patriots, but anywhere. In the NFL. Gone. Yeah, is he retired for good? Yeah, the dynasty... The dynasty is officially over. Uh, I hope Belichick isn't retired for good, but the rumor is because he wants to be able to pick the players, then he no one wants to let him do that. And I think that's part of part of the conversation here, right? We're going to have an Apple TV documentary about the dynasty. Uh, we're finally moving on to a new coach and everything. And before we talk about the future and the new coach and you know what it's like to support a team through all this, can you support a team through all this? The question is, is it the right move going away from Belichick? And I think there's an interesting thing here. And I, and I want to know what you both think about this. Much has been made about the fact, and you see it also with the Celtics and Joe Mazzula, who's in his 30s. Much has been made of the fact that the players can identify with and be friends with Gerard Mayo. And I don't want to say, quote-unquote, the game has passed Belichick by, because I don't think it has. But has the culture passed Belichick by? And what I mean by that is Belichick was famous for Mondays coming in, and even Brady, he would say the things he did wrong, and this is how you get better at things, is, you know, you have to look at what's wrong. Whereas now it seems like with the attitude and psychology of people in our culture, and I mean everyone, I want to be very clear, anyone listening to this, I am not saying a hidden message or a, or a dog whistle about race or anything. I mean everyone. It seems they want people who are more, I don't necessarily want to say on their, sorry, say their friend, but people that focus on loving and supporting them more than improving them as athletes and players. And I don't know if they're taking the, they're going to improve me as an athlete and a player as a given, is it just that the culture changed so much that Belichick could no longer work in not just the Patriots organization, but in the NFL? I see where you're going. I think that's a, an interesting observation. I think what I would say is what, maybe the culture has changed too dramatically, but, but what I saw is a culture develop over years that attracted the kind of players who wanted the kind of coach who Belichick was. And you saw that there were players who came and maybe they did well, but they only stayed for a year or maybe they didn't do well and they left and then went on to like bash Belichick because that's not the kind of coach that they wanted ultimately. So I think it's always been there in the sense, but maybe it's, it's more prevalent now. Maybe there are more players who don't want the type of coach that Belichick is. But that's not to say that he couldn't build a team of players who did thrive in that environment. Uh, what I would say is my observation, uh, which is, does not contradict yours, I don't think, Justin, is that in reading all this that went down about Belichick and the team and leaving and whatever, I think I was naive in thinking that Robert Kraft wasn't as uh, interventiony as he was. So many reports came out about like what he demanded and who he wanted drafted and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that changed my perspective of Belichick, the GM, who I thought was maybe making bad GM decisions, but maybe he was just being hamstrung by the owner 
And if that's the case, I don't think they're going to get better. <laughs> I don't think they're going to get better next year or in the near future unless Kraft decides to, to stop intervening. Well, is this, William, the inevitable transition into becoming the Cowboys? Because isn't that what happened with Jerry Jones after the Cowboys had their success <clears throat> yeah. in the 90s? Is Kraft just on his Jerry yeah, Jones I arc? Think time will tell if this is how it pans out because you've got, uh, you know, the, the owner needs to let their staff do what their job is, right? And if you start, if you get so many Super Bowl rings that you think you're the one that is the genius and making the right decisions and had made the decisions in the past that led to that victory are those victories. How do you, how do you exist in the same building as Brady and Belichick and think you're the genius? I would just sit around every day and be like, man, I'm lucky I got around these yeah. two. Yeah. And I, that's, that is what we'll see <clears throat> play out. I think is whether, whether, you know, whether you say I'm the genius for selecting the good people that can make these things happen or I'm the genius because I'm the one that's picking the entire team, right? Or I know better than than the right. coaches. Um, oh, I think Kraft deserves full credit for taking Belichick and making him the coach. And I think he deserves full credit for trusting Belichick with Brady. Because you're, you're not going to convince me back then that was a craft decision. But the question is, what happened over the past 20 years that he's convinced that his genius was anything more than trusting Belichick and Brady? Right. Right, and that's what I think ultimately led to this departure is, if you read about it, like, Kraft was making a lot of personnel decisions that Belichick didn't want, and so Belichick was... Maybe doing the immature, uh, grumpy Belichick thing of like being saying, fine, we're all in on this person then and they're just going to crumble. And so be it. Because I didn't want them. Um, I'm, I'm leaving names out <laughs> in particular just to not be cruel. Mac Jones. Um, <laughs> I would never say that name out loud. Um, and so well, the other to kind of build on what you're saying here is the other thing is sort of uh, the involvement of Jonathan Kraft is I've been reading mm -hmm. some stuff about. You know, maybe he's trying to step up and make an imprint because, I mean, his dad's really old and he's going to take over the the team eventually. So we don't know his involvement as well. And something I've mentioned to you that I don't think is mentioned enough is I really think this last season was sort of a make-or-break season. And what I mean by that is I think Kraft has wanted Gerard Mayo as the future head coach for a long time. And I think that might have been something Belichick was even on board with. And he was going to leave last season. I believe this. But they promised him, and they said, if you come on as assistant head coach, when Belichick leaves, then you will be the head coach. And then I think Kraft said, you have a season to turn this around, and if you don't turn it around, we're going to move on. And maybe they didn't know after the season if Belichick was gone 100%, but they probably met. And Kraft was like, look, at what point is there going to be a better point to move to Mayo? And yeah. so they moved on. I think Belichick leaving is as much about whatever cultural issues we're talking about as it is about, hey, this is the guy of the future and we need to move on at some point. It's true. What does this mean, though, for the future? What kind of coach is he going to be? What kind of culture changes are, is he going to implement? What And, and how is he going to handle Kraft's meddling? 
It's a good question. I think, obviously, so much of that is just we'll have to see what they start doing in the draft, um, how they start running their training camp and all sorts of things like that, and ultimately how the team plays. But, um, you know, interviews and stuff so far, not been super impressive to me. Uh, it's it's about a lot of culture stuff and not a lot about a football yeah. stuff. So that's a bad sign, to me at least. And, uh, yeah, I'm not optimistic. And maybe this leads into something yeah, Justin about asked to, earlier. About to post like, that. <laughs> I, I do find myself thinking, like, am I a Patriots fan? Well, I, I I think uh, I think uh, the, there's a good I have a good parallel from my own uh, fandom. You know, during the uh, whole Rich Rod era of Michigan, there was um, there was a culture war right between the fans and what Rich Rod was doing and what is Michigan football. There was this whole identity crisis, and there was a split in the fandom. Right? Um, were you a, were you supporting the team and and Rich Rod and the changes he was trying to make? And that they weren't working, obviously, and uh, and it didn't help that there was a lot of um, whether it was true or not. There was a lot of fan coverage of changes that uh, Rich Rod was making to the culture at Michigan, to the football culture at Michigan, and people didn't like it. And I think that's why he didn't last very long. So I think, you know, it. I think it comes down to what is the symbol that you're connected with, right? Um, and the case of yeah, college, it's a little different of... because, you know, like I'm, I'm invested in it because I went there and I walked those halls and I was in that stadium and I walked through that tunnel. Um, it's a little different there because you feel, I think you feel a lot more part of it when you're, you know, when you're sitting in class next to people that are on the football team, right? True. <laughs> and, and, I, and I do think that there can be some analogous feelings for someone like Justin to speak for Justin. Yeah, we kicked anymore. him off. It's his show, yes, but yes, you know, just, we're the we're the real um, producers of content here. Who? Grew well, I have a lot in, to say, but I'm letting you grew guys up talk. in the area, right? And who attended the game as kid, as a kid, and watched so many different iterations of the team, and it was part of the family culture and stuff like that. Like I could see that being a valid reason to be a fan forever um i'm someone who came to football very late i didn't really grow up with it i didn't really get it as a kid and then also like in illinois where i was there were bears fans colts fans and rams fans and then weirdly my family were a bunch of dolphins fans and so i also didn't have any like single rooting interest uh and came to football through First going to Clemson, then meeting Justin, then watching the Patriots lose to the Giants, and the next season watching Brady get his knee blown out. So my my fandom is very different. You could call me, to some degree, I guess, a Fairweather fan or a bandwagon fan of a certain kind, except that I really invested in learning about the history and culture of the team. But I don't, I don't have any of that anymore. Everything that I invested in learning about yeah. is now gone. Yep. Um, I, I was a big fan of the Patriots for the past few seasons because of Belichick, because I wanted to see what he would do. But now he's not there. I don't have that connection to Gerard Mayo. I'm not too, all that interested in knowing what Gerard Mayo is going to do with the team, quite honestly. Um, so I'm, I'm really struggling with it. But Justin, you have a very different perspective than either William or I. Well, yeah, and I, I'm going to push back on you a little bit for a couple reasons. And then I'm going to transition into a different metaphor 
here as far as the the, the culture issue you were bringing up. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is, yes, yeah, certainly that I have more of a emotional, psychological, I don't even know the proper word to express the connection I have. I mean, this was the team I grew up around. I was at Drew Bledsoe's first ever preseason game. I mean, how many people can say that? And how many AFC championship games did I go to? I I grew up going to New England Revolution games in the old Foxborough Stadium, and I've been to a bunch of MLS Cup games with the Revolution in it. And even when the Revolution hired Bruce Arena as a coach who I absolutely hate, I don't follow the team anymore, but I still would never cheer for any other team. So even, like, if I were to continue to watch the NFL, if I stopped supporting the Patriots, I would never be a fan of another team. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing. Like, I don't follow MLS, but I'm still a Revolution fan. Same way, like, I don't follow the NHL, but I'm still a Bruins fan. And, you know, I I follow some baseball, and I'm a Red Sox fan. But when the Red Sox made the World Series, I went. So there's certainly that connection there. And... The first thing I'm going to push back on you, Daniel, is I think there's even a difference between you and William. I think I always sort of considered William somewhat of a Patriots fan because of the Brady connection and because he appreciates good football. But what about our friendship? And I don't mean to guilt you, but isn't there something to be said about we've gone on this journey of fandom together since I started teaching you football that first season and we bonded over it and we talk every halftime? Isn't, isn't that something that makes it a unique fandom for you? Sure. It does, for sure. It means, it means a lot. Um, going back to when we went to Hooters on 9-11 to watch football, and they were all dressed up as sexy firefighters <laughs> and sexy police officers in perhaps the most tactfully offensive thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, well, was, that, was that in Orange County? Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. That, that's a very Orange County, California thing to do. And, and and similarly to that, I mean, I think we're in another stage of our journey in life, and I think this is something else we can share. And what I mean by that is I was actually relieved at the hiring of Gerard Mayo because I was worried they were going to bring in a, a new coach who was going to completely change the culture and everything. But it's important to remember that even as a player, Gerard Mayo was one of Belichick's favorites for his his intellect and his understanding of the game and his defensive prowess. And then, did you see who they recently hired as a linebacker's coach? Uh, Donta Hightower? Yes, who is also yeah. that prototypical Belichick player. Mm-hmm. So I was relieved because maybe this is just how the next generation builds on what the previous generation did. But then this goes to what you're saying about press conferences and such. Is this an example of go woke, go broke, where did Kraft hire him because he wants the image of being a player's player and, you know, being woke? And that's what you need to do nowadays to be a businessman and to be marketable. Was that the entire reason, you know, that culture I posited at the beginning? Does that culture actually exist or is that the culture people want to believe exists because we're enabling the youth and we're enabling the culture and we're enabling the people that aren't usually enabled? And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that that's what they say we need to do, right? Listen to all women. You know, we have to build up, you know, Stop all black lives matter. All of these things they say. All masculinity. End right. all masculinity. All, 
Right. Right. All of these things. So I don't know. But when Patriots start showing up in Gillette commercials, we'll know it's gone off the rails. (laughs) But there's an argument to be made that the best possible way, marketing wise, of going forward from Belichick is to hire a a Gerard Mayo, who's essentially was is essentially best friends with Steve Belichick and was raised in the Belichick system. He only ever paid for, played for the Patriots. Donta Hightower only ever played for the Patriots. They were defensive players who were basically coaches on the field. I don't know if there's a better case scenario in the current climate to replace Belichick with. And I can feel like as a fan that this is still the Patriots. We're not just hiring somebody completely yeah. new to come in here and blow everything it's not up. It's a trap. It's a good argument. It's a good argument. I, I think that how I feel about it is I can't see myself being the type of fan I was for the Patriots for any other team. Like, I wanted the Lions to do well this year, but I can't see myself being the type of Patriots fan I was as a Lions fan. I can just see myself being happy that they do well and being interested in the, in the outcomes of those games. I wonder, um, though. I bet, I bet there I, is I think, a way they can earn it, the Patriots at least. But... Yeah. The Patriots, yes, for sure, could earn it. I'm, I'm saying another yeah, team yeah. like the Lions, I'm not sure they can earn it in the same way. Um, well, the, the metaphor the I was going to use is a very Orlando metaphor, Daniel, oh. and it's Disney. Oh. And what, what I mean by that is if you historically look at Walt and what he believed and what he based the company on, Anti-Semitism. it's incredibly moral and incredibly... <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Don't tell me you actually believe those rumors. <laughs> but I just I couldn't help myself. Well, this is the same as remember the guy who said that the Patriots were yes. built on white supremacy. Yeah, that's the same. Yeah. That's the same. Walt is an yep. anti-Semite argument, right? But when you look at what he built the company on, it was incredibly moral and incredibly admirable in all the properly understood sense of those words. But if you look at the way things are now. It's drastically deviated from that vision. However, is it possible to appreciate a company like Universal who's building a huge new theme park in the way that Disney can ever be appreciated? When people say Disney magic, I think that's what they're talking about. They're talking about Walt's vision, at least for me. And as much as I'm going to go to Epic Universe and I'm going to get a Universal annual pass, I don't think I will ever have that same sense of magic with Universal that I will with Disney. And I think it's the same thing with the Patriots and what you were just describing with other teams. Right. And I I will say, I can see, basically how I see this playing out is that I generally will root for the Patriots. And if someone asks me who my team is, I will say it's the Patriots. But like, even this season, I didn't feel as... What's the word? I didn't feel like I had as much of a motivation to sit down and watch every minute of every game like I have since grad school, Justin. Like, I would get up and do stuff. I'd schedule things on Sundays, even if I knew it conflicted with the game, because I just wasn't that into it. Um, Because the other thing about me, and I, I think you have some of this too, and I think William has some of it too, is like, first and foremost, I liked the Patriots because they were excellent. Because they, it was superb football. Yeah, I always said I was lucky. About it. Yes, 
uh, and me too, in a, in a sense, um, for, for meeting you and then for you being a Patriots fan and, and that being my exposure to football. Because when I started watching other teams, I was like, oh, this is bad <laughs> compared to what I'm used to watching. And if that excellence isn't there, it doesn't hold my interest as much. So that's going to be the tough part for me. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to go watch another team that is excellent. Well, one, because I watch other teams and they have excellent moments, but there's not this sustained excellence like there was. So, you know, to be alive during this time, to watch this team, this Patriots team for so long is insane luck for sure. Um, so I, I think I will be casual, more casual about it and, and cautious about it. But it's not like I'm going to suddenly become a 49ers fan or something. I just don't care that much about them. Yeah, and, and I, I feel exactly what you're saying. And I'm not saying I'm ever going to not watch a game or I'm ever going to schedule something else during a game. However, I, I did forget to listen to my pregame playlist a couple of times this season. Whew. And for you, that's huge. That is huge. And listening to it, like, I don't know, man, the songs, we were talking about this sort of when we're talking about the outro and the intro, but I didn't realize how dated the songs were and everything now. It really Mm -hmm. is. I don't know, William, it really is crazy how historical the dynasty is now. It's old. It's retro. Yeah. I mean, there, there are people, there are fans today who will not have lived through that era, right? They'll they'll have only lived on the falling action of that era. Yes, for whom Tom Brady is a legend. More yeah, than yeah, more than someone who we watched grow stuff. and change. It's uh, that that line in the the Force Awakens, oh, right? Lord. It's real, oh, all Lord. of it. Um, <laughs> I just rewatched the Force Awakens because my son wanted to watch it, and uh, anyway, so it's on top of my mind. We're not going to go to that. That's it. That's what you're going to leave us with? You're going to dash away for another year from the podcast on a Force Awakens quote. Amazing. (laughs) I thought you were going to be like, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Fine, fine, fine. Here's what I'll say. You get about three quarters of the way through, and I think to myself, oh, this is going somewhere. I haven't watched it in a long time, right? So there are even little things I forgot about it. Like, oh, I can see what's going on. This is They're doing this sort of mythological parallelism thing in the the sort of grand meaning of saga right and what a saga really is is this sort of cyclical thing yeah that, that was your conversation about the entire yeah. movie after yeah. the it first came out that's right and then the part that jarred me this time that didn't jar me so much because i didn't know where it was going wait was, wait, wait wait you said jar, jar twice jar. there we go <laughs> it's just embedded in there um was the whole destruction of uh, Starkiller Base and just how forced Awakens, no, how forced that felt um, compared to the rest of the movie. As if they just really didn't know how they were going to unwrap themselves from this. They're like, oh, we'll just have a guy go in and blow it up. Just like the Death Star. And that felt like really stupid to me. But even the ending where she gets to the island and Luke Skywalker's there, that's very impactful. Except yeah, that I knew where it was yeah. going. Thank, thank you, Rian Johnson. Oh, man. <laughs> well, we can agree that The Force Awakens is the best of the three, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By far. By far. Uh, it's the 25th anniversary of Phantom Menace. And so it's coming back yeah, to theaters. Yeah, I, I might actually go see it. I mean, I, I think that uh, if anything of the uh, the sequel trilogy has done is made me appreciate the, the, 
that at least the uh, prequel tr- trilogies had some good parts to it. I mean, it had some terrible parts too, like I don't like sand. But you know, there's other parts that were good. <laughs> I've still never seen the third one because the second yeah. one was so bad. Yeah. The third one's the yeah. best of the three. I just couldn't do it, man. You know, I'm not a Star Wars fan to begin I with. I know the second one is an atrocity. Yeah. Although it's appropriate. Yeah, well, who has it? Where Star Trek fans or on... Star Wars fans? I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure. Oh, <laughs> it's appropriate there. that in uh, the final discussion of Bill Belichick's coaches as coach of the Patriots, we start talking about Star Wars because of all yep. the comparisons yep. to the Empire. So, <laughs> all I can hope is that the Gerard Mayo era is not the Force Awakens error, and then something else follows that's even worse. Can only hope that this is uh, an upswing. In a twist, they fire Gerard Mayo midseason and bring back Pete Carroll. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. I didn't even like Pete Carroll when he was here to begin with, man. Like, <laughs> Or Gerard Mayo pulls off his mask, and it's actually Rex Ryan. That would be that... a Rian Johnson movie version yeah you mean when you kill snoke for no reason that was when i was out that was that was the exact moment well there were we'll do this very quickly and then we'll end this because this turned into a star wars thing but the there were three things that killed my interest in the new trilogy because i actually enjoyed the force awakens but uh killing snoke for no reason yep that was the first thing um the evil capitalism planet was the second thing. Actually, I'm going to say four things. The evil capitalism planet was a fourth thing, or the third thing, or second thing, whatever. No, that's third. It's third. Is it? No, that's two. One, Snow, capitalism planet, two. Uh, three was the little kid who could use the force at the no end of to that. No The Last that. Jedi. No. Just... <laughs> well, because Communism, it was my friend. <laughs> it was... Right, that's exactly what it was, and Disney pivoted away from that because they knew it was stupid. Right, the idea that, oh, the, the I, oppressed are the ones who can use the force, are the most force-sensitive. Um, okay, continue, but I don't actually think they pivoted away from it, but go ahead. Well, I'd like to hear what you mean, because then it'll make me hate Rise of Skywalker yeah, even but, more. Go ahead, and the, finish your last one. The fourth thing was random Asian love interest for the black guy, because we need oh, to force diversity yeah. into our movie. And then she disappeared. Yes. Poor Tico. Yes, indeed. All those things. And I so, do not hate the actress. I want to be either. clear about that. Yeah. I'm talking about the character, not the actress. Uh, so I don't think they pivoted away from it. I think that was the entire premise of The Rise of Skywalker. Is like, anyone can be a Skywalker. Not anyone. Not That's white, male, and uh, upper class. <laughs> well, that this, you know, that being a Skywalker isn't part of the special family thing but that like you know if, if you're oppressed right, enough in this yeah. right selected group you can be a skywalker too so i think they took that and that became the theme of the third movie and that's why she's force sensitive that's why she didn't need any training yeah i mean and that's why at the end she says her name's ray skywalker like which is the stupidest thing in the history of all yeah. movies ever perhaps. yeah no i get what you're saying about the name but are you Claiming that it's also linked to what William said, that that's why she's Force-sensitive and doesn't need training. Well, I mean, that whole thing is... I don't even know what to make of that. But my, my point is, it is that sort of last point from Ryan Johnson's crap that I won't even call a movie. Um, that sort of communism element of, like, being Force-sensitive isn't special anymore. 
if as long as you're like a fighter and oppressed and whatever, like you're you're a Skywalker too. And that just made me want to vomit. Okay. Well, regardless, what we're learning here is that just because Mahomes wins some Super Bowls, he's not a Brady too. <laughs> yeah. Just because Mayo's he a disciple his doesn't name mean to, he's a Belichick he changes too. His name to Brady after he wins. Brady. Uh, Brock Brock <laughs> Brady. Everyone's a Brady. You get a Brady. You get a Brady. I love so, it. the hope I think going forward for everything is that, yeah, the new hope is that we see some uh, an attack of some Brady and well, Belichick right. clones who bring football back to the level it was. Because I will even say right right now that like I watch a lot of Celtics games because I love seeing the team play at such a high level because they have such a good starting five. So I'd love to see that again in football because, I mean, even look at the Chiefs season this year, right? There were I was talking to a Chiefs fan that I'm friends with the other day, and he didn't have faith they were going to get to the Super Bowl. And I was like, you have to. Look at the level of success they've had. But he was talking about how unevenly they played all season. And I think the thing about the Patriots was they performed consistently through every season. And yeah, they had off games, but by and large, they weren't making those basic mistakes that so many people make across so many sports. And I'd love to see that return because that's definitely how I try to coach. You know, it's not coach to not lose, it's coach to win, but it's the first way you win is by knowing the fundamentals and letting other people make the fundamental mistakes and then you capitalize on those. That's right. So I guess what we really are saying is uh, Mayo the Force be with you. All right, that's a perfect way to end. I don't remember if I had an outro for Belichick. Oh, your yes, we do. So, no, this the song, but did I say something? You said you just got your premises Belichicked. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, something like that. Good job, Daniel. Just play the music, goddammit. My face, your face, instant face. Go go talk to whoever you want that does that stuff.